Welcome to Faith Fondue, a new podcast featuring author and speaker Haley D. Maria and teacher and blogger Ann Strickers. Faith Fondue will feature a melting pot of topics ignited by a flame, our faith, and guided by the Holy Spirit. Each week we will feature a theme, and the theme for this week's episode is hope, which is appropriate as we celebrate this first Sunday in Advent. Anne, happy first Sunday in Advent. Hi Haley, you too. This is the week of November 29th, 2020. And as Haley said, this is volume one, episode two. I'm excited to continue our conversation from last week, Haley, and uh, hear some of your thoughts on hope. So part one is the flame. Uh, talk to me, what's hot? What's cooking? Uh, what are you cooking in terms of hope? Any thoughts? So I love Advent. Um, you know, as a convert, I wasn't raised Catholic, um, but Advent was a huge, uh, a hugely important part of our life growing up. My mom um, taught a class on Advent at her church, so she has this really great um, children's program that we did um, that we still I still use with my own family. So we ha- I have a little booklet that is still in her handwriting um, with a reading and what it means, what the different parts of the Advent wreath mean. Um, with a reading, we sing a song every um, every Advent program at dinner. So, so for me, it was a really meaningful time um, in my childhood. And my hope um, really for this whole season is that I can pass that along to my family that, you know, as we're buying gifts and decorating and lights and, you know, talking about Santa Claus and making Christmas lists that um, the real meaning of the season is still there. My hope is that my children see um, Christmas for what it is more so than than what people try to tell them it is. And, you know, one of the ways that I've always tried to do that is um, I have a collection of nativities. Um, we called them crush growing up. Um, But my goal has always been to have a nativity set in each room in our house so that no matter where we go um, during this Advent season that we're reminded of the true reason for the season. Um, So some people collect shot glasses or um, ornaments or snow globes when they travel, and I collect nativity sets. So I have um, nativities from all over the world, which are now all over my house. Um, So that is my hope that that we can enter this season and and really understand um, what it means and to remember every day um, to celebrate the Christmas season and not just one day. Really, I love that collection. Um, there is at the University of Notre Dame um, through the McGrath Institute for Church Life, there's a crush exhibit. Um, and I, we can link it in the show notes, but it's crush examples from around the world. Um, John Cavadini, I, uh, the, who was formerly the chair of the theology department at Notre Dame, um, sent this email to anyone involved with McGrath Institute. And I looked at a couple of the um, crush scenes and they were just so beautiful. And again, reflective of the parts of the world from which they come. Um, St. Francis of Assisi is credited with the original crush, right? The uh, acting out the nativity scene and that is a wonderful part of the christmas season so that's um i'd love to see yours as well yeah that's, you might enjoy that exhibit. no that's awesome i will have to check that out and i i do love it because um you know in so many parts of the world um you know religion is such a big part of their their art world um and art is is a hugely religious um 
mode of sharing, you know, their their faith. Um, and we don't always get that here. Um, so we have some very American um, nativities too. Uh, one is made out of Lego. Um, but I do yeah. appreciate seeing, yeah, the different the different artisans from around the world. Awesome. Well, I wanted just to loop back to last week for um, what's cooking with me. Um, great quote from Thanksgiving Day Mass, and that was a joy to be able to share that with you and our virtual parish. Thanksgiving Day is a day I've always enjoyed going to Mass. It's not a holy day of obligation, but wow, what a great day to gather at the Eucharistic table before a family table later in the day. And our friend, Father Tom Doyle, a Holy Cross priest, gave this quote. I think it's actually a Presbyterian minister who said it. And the quote is, gratitude is what we feel, giving thanks is what we do. And that quote stayed with me um, right that day. And it's something I'd like to, to think more about and actually try to practice. So that could be part of our action series. Um, giving thanks is what we do. Yeah, that's uh, a great one. But one of our listeners, her name is Haley as well. Um, good friend of mine. She's an English teacher and field hockey coach. And uh, she listened to our podcast and it um, prompted her to share an assignment that she um, created for her students. It's inspired by um, a YouTube called Soul Pancake and the Science of Gratitude. So last week when we were talking about, you know, the fact that grateful people are happy, you know, there's a lot on the ha the science of happiness. And so the assignment um, was linked to this kind of study from Soul Pancake. And um, what it asks people to do is write a letter of gratitude. And then um, you have to read the letter to the person to whom you write it. And so um, it's a fun, and we can also put this YouTube link in the show notes. It's a fun way to kind of see the reactions of both, again, the giver and the one who receives. You don't see the person hearing the message, but you certainly see the happiness and the joy of the person who wrote the letter. And um, as a Christian, I, I also liked the act of letter writing because that is such a part of our tradition, right? In scripture, Paul writes to so many different communities. St. Paul writes to the Corinthians, the Thessalonians, Etc. So um, letter writing is um, something, a good spiritual discipline. And um, as we approach Christmas, Christmas cards can be part of that tradition as well. Yeah, there's something about someone taking the time to hand write a letter um, it, it, to not only express the gratitude or, or to, to reach out or, or even to say that you're praying for someone. You know, it, the, the art of letter writing is is being lost a little bit, but um, what a great assignment and what a great practice and what a great thing for us to teach our next generation of of, of Christians and students is that art of writing a letter because um, everybody loves mail. Um, but even just the act of taking the time to do that, I think, can be really meaningful. Amen. Yes, I do love mail as long as it's not a bill or a red light ticket, <laughs> something I'm not grateful for, but um, it happens. Um, but I, I thought I'd share what's cooking uh, for me this week. I, I think you heard about the story. Uh, the Pope Francis had uh, some special visitors this past week on uh, Monday. He welcomed five players from the NBA. He wrote a letter, also a letter, to the uh, Players Union inviting um, any players to come visit uh, because he was aware and wanted to thank them for their efforts of social justice. 
and wanted to you know, talk to them about the sin of racism. So um, four American uh, born players came as well as one Italian, uh, Bellini, was, so he was already in Italy and they visited him. And um, one of my favorite parts of the visit was that they each brought Pope Francis gifts. Right, so not only the gift of their presence, but also signed jerseys. They created books, kind of documenting some photos and different efforts that they have done and um, their efforts again towards social justice and equality. And it reminded me, Pope Francis has spoken quite a bit about this culture of encounter. Um, it's a phrase that he's written about and preached on quite a bit. And the basic principle of a culture of encounter is that I have something good to give you and you have something good for me, and whether that's material or spiritual, right, emotional, um, but that when we encounter one another, that is the gift, right? And so he's extended this culture of encounter, I think, in a really meaningful way, because the NBA, without a doubt, is one of the most popular sports leagues in the United States. It's showing that he is aware of what, you know, a lot of Americans spend their free time um, invested in following their favorite NBA team or player and um, and having conversations about right our society and um, his concerns and together what they can create and hopefully build. Yeah, so Anne, here's what I really loved about that meeting. Um, first of all, I've always believed, and you know, the NBA is a great example, but just sport in general, are some of the most authentically diverse environments. Um, you know, we see, um, you know, diversity in people from all backgrounds, all races, all socioeconomics, all, you know, backgrounds, people from all over the world that just the world of sport is so diverse. And yet, um, you know, it really work together as a team. There's such harmony in sports as well. And, um, you know, if, if that can be such a model for what our world should be, you know, very rarely do you see race issues um, that take place, you know, on a team or internally, um, you know, certainly it happens, but not to the extent that we're seeing in the rest of our world. Um, so that model of sport being um, just really a role model for, for what our world can and should be is awesome. I also love the whole idea of um, where religion and, for better or worse, pop culture come together. Not that the NBA is pop culture, but you're right. It's a, it is um, a very popular sport, not only in our country, but really around the world as well. It's very visible. It's very, um, you know, it's got a high profile. And for people to be talking about the NBA and the Pope in the same conversation um, raises awareness on both levels. You know, it, it's people who follow the NBA who are now hearing about Pope Francis and maybe they haven't heard much about him before. It gives him exposure, but, um, you know, it also gives his, you know, the, a platform, a similar platform that they both have in, in wanting social justice. And, um, you know, we had, we had talked about staying away from politics. I don't see this as anything political. I see this as, as just humanity and, and wanting people to, to really be listened and valued for, for what they are and who they are. Um, so I loved that meeting for so many reasons. I think it just brought together two very different, very powerful, very um, high profile institutions, you know, the, the Vatican and the NBA, and um, brought them together working for a common cause. Um, I think that's the way, you know, that's one of the ways we're going to see real change. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of this culture of encounter, when you meet a spiritual leader, it is really hard not to be moved. Um, I was able to see 
uh, Pope Benedict in Cuba. Um, I was able to go to World Youth Day. And then as a child, I saw Pope John Paul II. And I know like the Dalai Lama came to University of San Francisco. I did not see him, but the feeling that like the way my heart was moved when I saw the Holy Father, those times and, and what people said to me about, you know, Christians who saw the Dalai Lama speak, it was the same feeling. So that again, if we're encountering a spiritual leader, um, just what the players gained, right? In addition right. to the Holy Father got these gifts, but they got the gift of his presence and his prayers. We know that he will pray for them. And he said, and, and that he, he wants to recognize, you know, what they're doing and, and affirm that it's important um, as we seek to root out the sin. So um, I will link the quote that Pope Francis said about sport. A lot of what you said, Haley, he spoke to about the power of sport um, to connect people. And um, a fun fact about the diversity of the NBA is that 24% of NBA players were actually foreign born. So it's pretty high. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. Um, a lot of times people, if you go through the lineup, then you'll, you'll start to see, oh yeah, that's right. This person's from, you know, France, this player is from Argentina. This player is from Cameroon. It's really, um, it's such a global phenomenon. So it's kind of fun. Right. And you know, and with this theme of Advent, you know, really that meeting um, between the, the NBA and Pope Francis was about hope um, and, and hope for change and, and hope for social justice. So, you know, probably not planned that way, but what a great time for this first week of Advent to, to have such a hopeful meeting take place. Yeah. You know, Haley, I, I don't know if um, I watched the video. I don't know if Pope Francis spoke. I don't know if he prefers to speak in Spanish or in Italian. Uh, probably Italian, I would imagine, since there was Bellini was in the room. But I've always thought the word for hope in Spanish is so much more powerful, more moving. Esperanza, right? Uh, like esperar is to hope and esperanza is the noun. And I just think that has some verb to it. And uh, hope is, it is an active verb, right? It is not passive. It is something that we have to work for. And um you know, we're told during Advent, stay awake, be alert, pay attention. Um, those are some of the messages we'll hear from John the Baptist or whatnot during scripture. So um, this might be a great time for us to move to our second section, which is spiritual stew. I'm curious to know, you know, what has been nourishing you um, in terms of the word or readings or anything um this past week yeah as we look ahead yeah so this the spiritual stew, stew the real heart of um you know what we want to talk about in the real heart of the mass and jesus's words you know as we read the gospels and we read the, the you know the other readings for the week um and and really the one that spoke to me quite profoundly um i read it a few times um, is the gospel that we'll see this coming thursday it's matthew 7 21 through 27. Um, that'll be read on the memorial of St. Francis Xavier. And they talk, it talks about the difference, um, Jesus talks about the difference between listening and acting upon his words and just listening but not acting on his words. So, you know, so many times it, this can be simple and this can be very complicated, but it is at its very, you know, simplest simplistic face value you know we hear jesus's words and we read the gospel or we go to mass um, and we hear what he has to say but if we don't do anything with it um 
really kind of what's the point um you know it it and and that speaks to to kind of how we you know even how we live our lives you know we can listen to people and we can have um you know conversations with someone but but we really need to not just listen to them but to but to act and take their words to heart. And, and we certainly need to do that with, with Jesus' words in the gospel. You know, we can't just hear his call to us and hear his commandments and hear his charge to us and what he's telling us to do as, as people and as Christians. Um, but we need to listen and act on his words. Um, you know, there, there's, a, there's a great quote, and I'm not sure who it's attributed to, and I'm not even sure I'm going to get it right. But, you know, the difference between listening to hear and listening, um, you know, to respond. And, you know, we, we, all, we so often are seeing in our culture that, that people are just listening to someone else to hear when they are done talking so that they can share their own words and they can share their own thoughts. Um, but really what Jesus is calling us to do is to listen and to hear and then to respond and take action. Um, we are called upon to act. We are not just called upon to listen. Um, certainly, it's important to hear what others have to say, but we need to hear them and, and take them to heart and act on them. So that that I loved that. I think that's a great piece for us to keep in mind as we move throughout the week is are we are we acting on what what Jesus is asking us to do? Or are we just listening to him or reading our daily gospel and, and moving on? Or are we reading and hearing his words to act and and work and do his good works through our actions? Well, Haley, that is, um, there's a lot to reflect on there. You know, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I've always thought that listening is an act of love, just, but you've really like kind of drawn out for us a distinction. So thank you for that. Um, that is something that that's a great piece to kind of chew on is, is our stew here and um, to let us, yeah, to kind of ingest. Um, well, you know, Anne, you probably see this with your students, you know, sometimes they may hear you, but they may not do what you're asking them to do. Um, you know, that can be a friendship, that can be a spouse, it can be your children, you know, certainly kids, they, they will listen to what you have to say, but if they don't act on it, it's kind of like, what's the point? Um, so I always, I, right. I, I think of that, you know, as us being God's children, he is talking to us, but boy, if we aren't listening and responding and acting on it, um, it's kind of like, what's the point? Mm. I know. And it's like, well, that's the magic question. You know, what does it take for us to, to act, right? To, to turn it over. I, Greg Boyle always says it takes what it takes, right? And whatever that means, right? <laughs> How do we get to that next step? And I, I think that's part of, you know, we, this podcast is guided by the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, that's the spirit that's going to help us to act, I would imagine. Um, so thank you for that. Um, my piece of the spiritual stew is on the spirituality of Mother Teresa. Um, one of the recommendations I have for folks during Advent would be to sign up, if you haven't already, for Dynamic Catholic. They have a series called The Best Advent Ever. It's a daily video reflection, and uh, Matthew Kelly is often the host and I used to show these in my in my class, and my students loved them. And some were, you know, better than others. So um, that's a good example, Haley, where they're going to hear his message. And you know, there's a lot. There's so much wisdom and truth in those messages. So what enables a student or a person to act? Um, but I, during you know, ordinary time, it's just a simple picture that I receive every morning with a like a line of either scripture or just spiritual wisdom. And last week, 
um, the challenge was um, smile at five people a day you don't feel like smiling at. So that was Mother Teresa's challenge. Okay. Um, and within, let me put that in a little bit of context. Um, Mother Teresa felt that every time you smile at someone, it is an act of love. Um, it's a gift to that person. It's a beautiful thing. Um, obviously, it costs nothing to smile at someone. Um, they, I heard somewhere this week, when you have a smile in your voice on the phone, the other person can actually kind of like hear it. Um, during this COVID time, like there was a campaign, it's like smile behind the mask. I've really yeah. felt inhibited um, because I, you know, I have kind of a big mouth and I, my parents put a lot of money into my teeth. Thank you, <laughs> mom and dad. So I do like to smile and show my, my white teeth, but I felt inhibited by the mask, right? But there's still this movement, smile behind the mask and that maybe you can see it through your eyes or, right? Again, maybe it's through your voice. But um, Mother Teresa also felt like peace begins with a smile. And she said, quote, spread love everywhere you go. Let no one come to you without leaving happier. And that can be as a result of smiling. Um, and they are kind of contagious. Um, so the question I had was, yes, if that means I'm asked to smile at five people a day, I don't want to. Who are those people? What would that look like? Would it feel fake, you know, or is it with like an act of like, this is my brother or sister. This is someone, you know, maybe that involves, I live in San Francisco. There's unfortunately quite a homeless population. If I smile at folks on the street, um, whether or not they're homeless, right? I mean, when you live in a city, sometimes you get guarded. Um, you know, what is that like to smile at people? And um, maybe that'll be my challenge for the week to kind of undertake her spirituality because um, I think she's right. Peace does begin with a smile. I do think we should, in that culture of encounter, if I give you a smile, perhaps you give me a smile as well. Well, and what a great challenge too, to be aware of the fact that, you know, we are wearing masks so often and, and what does that active smiling look like, you know, so that we really make sure that they, they know it and they see it and they feel it um, beyond just, you know, smiling with our mouth, you know, how do we smile with our, with our body and really generate that love. Great. That is a great takeaway um, for this week as well. And, you know, one of the things that I um, am really taking away from our spiritual stew and the gospel and everything is um, an experience I had yesterday um, and really all of last week. Um, you know, I, I attended the, the funeral of um, one of my friends yesterday. Her, her mother passed away last week pretty suddenly. And um, it was the first time I had been to Mass in person in a long time. We were all you know, very socially distant masks were required. Um, but it was, it was a, it's always a privilege to, to attend a funeral. Um, you know, this is a very raw emotional time for many people. Um, but it was also, uh, a very hope filled mass and, you know, it was, it was almost Advent. Uh, you know, they were getting ready for their Saturday evening mass. So the, the Advent wreath was out and the church was adorned in purple. Um, and the priest talked about hope and the reminder of the hope that we have for eternal life and the hope that the family has that their mother and wife and grandmother um, was was entering into eternal life. And, and again, that reminder of hope, but also seeing this family um, mourn this loss was was in a, in a way a reminder for me um, to, to be grateful for my own parents. And um, I was missing them this week as they weren't allowed to travel and my in-laws weren't allowed to travel and, and how hard that was for you know many of us to not 
be with the loved ones that we wanted to be with over Thanksgiving week. Um, but it was a reminder that they are still here and they are present in my life, whether they are in Arizona or um, in my home in Maryland. Um, and I do have that privilege of, of, of sharing the holiday with them, even if we're not physically together. Um, so I really saw, you know, the hope um, that this family has of their their loved one entering eternal life and also the reminder of the hope um, that we all have that we'll be able to gather again with with our loved ones when we can. So I'm, I'm taking away that hope um, and I'm taking away th that sense of, of gratitude. You know, Haley, I think just the very fact of you showing up um, is incredibly important during a difficult time. And, you know, some people aren't able to do that. And the fact that you were and did, um, and I think there's a lot of wisdom in the church's tradition of, uh, right, the, you know, a Christian burial, right, a, a funeral. Um, we need to walk through um, the those steps, and we don't do it alone. And even um, during this time, people have been able to do virtual. Um, they've been able to share that, and I think that's powerful as well. And that so many people have watched right? Um, funerals as well. They've, right. they've shown up to do that. So however we're able to do that, um, you bear witness to something I think that's really important. Um, I'm sure it meant a lot to your friend. Well, um, and there and there were smiles through the masks um, as well. That was, you know, that reminded me of it. Seeing, seeing friends that we haven't seen maybe in a, several weeks um, coming together during a very sad time, um, but we were able to share those emotions um, with the mask on. So it, it's doable. <laughs> So Anne, tell us about, tell us about um, your takeaway. Tell us about golf. Yeah. So my piece of perspective in this melting pot is, um, well, first of all, I don't know how many of our listeners are golfers, but um, today is a beautiful day in the Bay Area. And I was with my mom and I said, you know, I'm always a little sad when it's this beautiful and I'm not able to play golf <laughs> because um, there's no wind and it is a beautiful day. And so that's just part of your outlook on life. If you love this crazy game. And I think to be a golfer inherently is to have hope because uh, it's a challenging game. And uh, again, it's a non-moving target, so it shouldn't be that hard, but for some reason that you don't know what player is gonna show up. But I got to play this week with a good friend. He coached, um, I've become friends, I think I might have said this before, with a lot of coaches and we coached in the same league. And uh, a couple of years ago, he taught me a spiritual discipline that I wanted to pass on. So we were at Half Moon Bay, we were on the 17th hole and um, Half Moon Bay golf course is literally against the Pacific Ocean and the sun was setting and um, he said, we're going to stop and I'd, I'd like to watch the sunset. And I said, you know what, Charlie, I'm kind of done. Can we just bring it in? And he's like, no, no, we're going to wait. And I, I realized people drive hours, right? People long to see the sunset over the Pacific Ocean. Who is I to just be like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Let's just, you know, keep playing. And um, that became a moment for me to just kind of, well, stop, pay attention, be alert. And we took in the sunset. It was gorgeous. It was, it was wonderful. And um, ever since that time, every time I play golf, I do try at some point during the round to pause and notice something in nature whether it be a hawk or a tree. And yesterday when I played, the moon was seven eighths full. So the moon right now, you know, it's coming, it's rising, you know, it gets dark at 5.15 here. So it was about five o'clock and it, 
again, there was no wind and there was this gorgeous moon and I just was able to kind of behold its beauty. And I'm so grateful that my friend um, taught me, right, um, to pay attention in that way. And um, that would be a challenge for anyone, whether you walk or you're on your bicycle or whatever it is when you're outside, maybe once a day to find um, some moment where you can just behold God's creation, right, in nature. Um, I think that is inherently, um, I think that will give you hope and, and it will also a smile as well. So Anne, and what I'm hearing is that you um, listened to your friend that you were playing golf with and you had your own uh, reaction. So you were maybe not listening at the first second, but uh, you paused and then you really heard what he was saying, which was really probably God's call through him um, to watch that beautiful phenomenon that happens every night um, that we need to remember to not take for granted. So um, you're on your path to listening and and actually hearing and and um, you know just just taking in all of God's beauty at the same time. Well, I'm smiling, Haley. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, and, and I'm not. You can't see me. I'm not wearing a mask, but um, <laughs> I'm smiling because Charlie would love to hear that, and uh, and it's true, and it's something that anyone can do. In the same way, Mother Teresa said, you know, anybody can smile; it doesn't cost anything. Anyone can pause on their day and, again, give thanks to our creator, God. So uh, thank you for that reminder. So I think as we wrap up today, we wrap up our first Sunday of Advent, we'll move into our second week. Um, you know, I think we are called to um, listen to, to Jesus' words. I think we are called to act on them. So we need to remember to not just hear what he has to say and not just hear what others have to say, but to really act on it. Um, I think we should all take time to, to write a letter of gratitude, whether it's a, um, you know, I, I think maybe you owe your friend, your golfing partner, a letter of Thanksgiving that, that he had you take that time to stop and enjoy that beauty. Um, you know, things for us to think about this week are, is the hope that we want for the season. You know, what do we really want to get out of Advent this month, these next few weeks? Um, what is our hope for our family, for others, for the world? Um, and to take that time to carry on with last week's theme and, and to express those moments of gratitude. As we move into to week two, the second week of Advent, the theme is love. Um, there's so much to talk about in terms of all different kinds of love that I look forward to exploring um, with you next week as well. Great, you know, Haley, one thing I've known about you, I know I've known you always love this season. Um, the season of Advent. So it's it's really wonderful to be able to share the journey with you. And, um, you know, one thing I would just add is hope is rooted in faith. So as a theological virtue, you don't have hope unless you have faith, right? There, You can't separate the two. And I think of this triad, faith, hope, and love, right? Those are the three things that remain. So I look forward to sharing more on um, that theme. And maybe thinking this week about the hope that we've carried and um, as we begin to think more about um, the call to love and yeah, how we do that through our actions and um, listening to God's word and living it out. So thank you. Thank you. I, I can look forward to our continued, continued journey. And um, as always, Anne, I, I learn something from you every time we talk and I look forward to continuing to share this with our listeners as well. So happy first Advent. And we will talk again next week. Thank you, Haley. Thanks, Anne.